Welcome to an enlightening podcast from IslamPodcasts.com. We encourage our listeners to please comment and let us know how we can grow in our knowledge to better serve our community. Please remind your family and friends to also visit IslamPodcasts.com for engaging discussions on current events, Islamic guidance, Quran, Tafsir, Sirah, and much more. Thank you for listening to this podcast. Podcasts on current events, Islamic guidance, Quran, Tafsir, and Sirah are available at islampodcasts.com as well as on iTunes. Rate, review, and comment and let us know how we can grow in our knowledge to better serve our community. Please subscribe, share, and tell a friend about islampodcasts.com as well as rate, review of iTunes. أعوذ بالله من الشيطان الرجيم بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم الرحمن علم القرآن خلق الإنسان علمه البيان الشمس والقمر بحسبان والنجم والشجر يسجدان والسماء رفعها ومضع الميزان ألا تتغوا في الميزان وَأَقِيمُوا الْوَزْنَ بِالْقِسْتِ وَلَا تُخْسِرُوا الْمِيزَانَ وَالْعَرْضَ وَضَعَهَا لِلْأَنَامِ فِيهَا فَاكِهَةٌ وَالنَّخْلُ ذَاتُ الْأَكْمَامِ وَالْحَبُّ ذُو الْعَصْفِ وَالرَّيْحَانِ فَبِأَيِّ آلَاءِ رَبِّكُمَا تُكَذِّبَانِ خَلَقَ الْإِنسَانَ مِنْ صَلْصَالٍ كَالْفَخَّارِ وخلق الجان من مارج من نار فبأي آلاء ربكما تكذبان رب المشرقين ورب المغربين فبأي آلاء ربكما تكذبان مرج البحرين يلتقيان بينهما يرزق لا يبغيان فبأي آلاء ربكما تكذبان يخرج منهما اللؤلؤ والمرجان فبأي آلاء ربكما تكذبان ولهم جوار المنشآت في البحر كالأعلام فبأي آلاء Okay, basically, this ayah, this rukud that I've just read to you, is, it's inviting you, Allah SWT is inviting you to what? To contemplate, to think about the things, the many blessings that Allah SWT has bestowed on us. It's constantly asking you, whether it's giving scientific examples to... Uh, small blessings in terms of just our, the way we live our lives, where Allah has blessed us with the sun and the moon and given many examples. In fact, even when he discusses the fact that he gave us, Allah SWT gave us the ability to even speak. You know, Allah has given us so many blessings that we have and uh, we don't take, we don't think about these things. So the theme for this, this talk is actually going to be about the fact that it's, it's asking you to contemplate, it's asking you to think. You know, this blessed month of Ramadan is an invitation for you to think. 
Inshallah. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, O oh, you who believe, fasting is prescribed to you as it was prescribed to those before you, that you may achieve taqwa, God consciousness. Um, first of all, I'll spare you from the descriptions about the certain actions that you need to do to achieve taqwa. The certain actions are, obviously, what actions do you need to do? What, what actions do you need to do, need to do to achieve taqwa? Anyone want to... Uh, what, what, what are the actions of what? Ibadah, yeah? All of the actions of Ibadah help you and allow you to, what? To achieve taqwa, to achieve God uh, consciousness. So, this is basically what it is. So, I'm not going to discuss just quoting countless hadith about tahajjud, dhikr, sahri, iftar, tarawih, and itikaf, and eid. This, inshallah, will cover in the month of Ramadan. And also, to be honest, these, just this giving you descriptions about how to do itikaf, the conditions to do itikaf. I mean, really, this is what? This is something that if you seek it, if you desire it, what? You will seek it out. The point is that I'm not going to give you descriptions about, you know, what to do in your salah, during eid, prayer, and so on. Um, in fact, I'm going to discuss a far simpler and yet as important as all the actions of ibadah that I've mentioned, i.e., it's just as important as all the other actions of ibadah. And if the ulama have the, the way they've described the actions of ibadah, that one of the things that has to happen as a component of ibadah is what is the intention. The intention has to be clear. So this is something that you need to. Uh, this is what we're basically going to discuss. Anyway, so coming up, the month of Ramadan is coming. You know, so let's look at what are the kind of things that will happen during the month of Ramadan. What's the first thing you're going to do on the first day when you you know when you know maybe Ramadan's around the corner? It's uh, it's so already, I think, uh, foretold in the what was it, uh, Taj Mishti something uh, uh, posters. They've already decided uh, when the, the crescent moon is going to be seen. So it's already decided. But you know, we'll get to that towards the end of the talk. But what the first few things that happen on that day? Well, the first thing is that you're probably going to blow off the dust off that old fold or that fungi that you had, that you haven't worn, and you're going to get it out, and you're going to think, okay, this is the one I'm going to start wearing. I'm going to start getting into that religious mode, you know, this is what I call the Athar and Thawb mode, yeah, you're going to go to the, uh, the shops, the Islamic bookshop, and maybe I would advise that you probably go and get an Islamic book, but you know, first thing, I mean, I'm talking about what actually happens, yeah, you're going to get a lot of people who are going to go to the masjid, uh, sorry, go to the bookshop and they're going to go and get some Athar, they're going to get some uh, CK Athar or something like that, or GK, or whatever, you know, fake version you've got, that's what they're going to, that's what they're going to buy, yeah, and Alhamdulillah, then what's going to happen after is what? It's the moon will be sighted. Yeah? Someone's going to say from uh, either, you know, uh, the ulama from Saudi Arabia or a local mosque or, you know, the, the main mosque of our area, they're going to announce that what we need to do, tarawih this evening. Because the first thing you actually do is going to be tarawih prayer that evening for the fast of tomorrow. So what are you going to be doing? You're getting rest ready, you're getting ready, your, you're putting your atar on, you're putting your tawb on, you're going to, you know, East London Mosque or whatever, and, you know, you're listening to the recitation, the beginning of the Quran, and, you know, the strong atar that you're wearing is probably going to turn the guy next to you almost blind. You know, you're going to have some seriously strong atar going on, yeah? And, you know, this is still part of, what, going through the motions of Ramadan. This is already, from the first day, this is, you're psyching yourself up, and you dress the part, you smell the part, you look the part, and, you know, this is how you're going to go about doing this. The next thing you're going to do is, well, after the tarawih prayer, you're going to wake up for suhoor, you're going to eat, you know, suhoor when you wake up, you're going to eat your food, you're going to, uh, you know, 
you're going to prepare yourself, you're not used to the first day of fasting, you think it's going to be difficult, so you're going to probably eat a little bit more than you know, you're used to at that time of night. And then basically you're going, to, you know, you're going to go to school or college, I think college and university and everything is starting up for you guys, and that's generally what you're going to be getting into. So this is, the, this is generally what happens, yeah? So um, the rest of the day, what's your first day? The first day of Ramadan is actually the hardest. I think you guys, you know, if you remember back to last year, the first day of Ramadan, the first day you're hungry, you think, oh my God, I haven't got water, I'm going to die. You know what I mean? You know, you feel, as soon as your mouth feels dry, about one o'clock in the afternoon, you're thinking, damn, I've got six hours left. You know, how am I going to, you know what I mean? I better not, you know, I better just, you know, keep my spit in my mouth and just generally just don't, you know, don't sweat or anything. You don't want to lose any water, yeah? So you start worrying about this. So that's generally how, you, how, how it goes on. Later on, obviously, you get used to it. Finally, you're rushing back from college, uni, or work, and all you can smell around you in the estate is the smell of kisuri. I mean, kisuri pumped with enough ghee that will make Pavarotti blush, yeah? You've got some, you know, you, got, you can smell it everywhere. You can smell the, the food being cooked everywhere, and you're thinking, God, you know, this is the first day I'm fasting, and I'm going to really hit it. You know what I mean? I'm going to smack this one. Yeah? I'm going to eat like crazy. You're going to eat like you fasted for 30 days, not you know, a couple of hours, to be honest. Yeah? I ask you, brothers, yeah, even after the first day of Ramadan, yeah, when you've had your third or fourth plate or whatever, yeah, after, when you're eating your sixth samosa, I ask you a question. At that point, don't you feel a little bit empty? That's, that's what I want you to think about. Don't you feel a little bit empty? This is uh, many Ramadans you've done already up to this one. This is not new, you know. And what I mean by that, I don't mean, obviously, your stomach, because that's going to be well full, yeah? I want you to think about it. Does it make you wonder why you've starved that day? Or does it matter, then, you know, the fact that you've starved that day, then you eat, then you go to the masjid, you do taraweeh, you eat some more. That's another thing. After taraweeh, iftar number two, you go there and you start eating, because first is the, what, what is it, the kisuri, the chana. When you get back, you're eating rice and curry, yeah? So you're eating, eating and eating, and then you go to sleep, then you eat some more, and then you starve again. Does it make you wonder, why am I doing all of this? Why am I, you know, starving myself intensely for a period of time, and then I'm eating intensely for another period of time? What's it all for? Why do we push ourselves through this? Because the blessed month of Ramadan is a time where we increase our taqwa. That's, that's the purpose of it. It's supposed to increase us in our, what, our God consciousness, the fear. It's supposed to increase the fear that we have of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Why? Why is it? Because it's such a unique way to test it, such a unique way to perfect it. Because you know that any other thing, to be honest, yeah, you know, whether it's salah, your parents may not see you do salah. They think it, well, you did it while you're outside. Do you know what I mean? The guys, your friends outside will think you did it at home. You know, you'll, you'll generally, no one, you can get away with not praying. No one will notice. But you know that eating is also one of those things that, to be honest, after suhoor, you can have another one of those... You know what I mean? You can have a bit more almond, you know, uh, you know, and cream. You don't want to, who will know? If you come in, if you get in there at uh, 8 in the morning and you go and have another, you know, meal, no one's going to know that you've had it. So the truth is that this will test, because you know that Allah SWT is watching you. It's for the one thing that you know He's watching you at every single time during that day and during that night. So you know that, you know, Allah is watching you. It makes you highly conscious, more than usual, the fact that Allah SWT is watching you. He's watching you wherever you are. Uh, so what does it mean? What does taqwa mean? I'll ask some of you guys um, to give me a definition. Fear of Allah. What, what else? Okay. What else? What else is it? Is the, is the fear of... Is, is this thing... Um, I, I, I didn't bring the hadith with me. It's this understanding that 
like I said, whether it's the Ramadan or not, the fact that he is always, he's the all-seeing, that he sees you wherever you are, he's omnipotent, he can see no matter where you are, whatever you're doing, you know, he's, fo- he's focusing on your actions, yeah? And so, one of the definitions that was given, yeah, uh, in fact, one of the things that you t- take part in is the ibadat, as we, as we just mentioned, yeah? And one of the definitions of this was given, what? It was to purify the heart and the soul. That's why it's, it's to purify the heart of the soul. Allah SWT says in Surah Ash-Shams, by the sun and its brightness, by the moon as it follows it, by the day as it shows its brightness, by the night as it conceals it, and by the heavens and its wondrous make, by the earth and all its expanse. And just point out, even between this, uh, this quote, this ayah, yeah, the fact that Allah swearing by seven different things, usually it's what I swear by the olive, you know, Allah swears by many things, isn't it? He's swearing by seven different things. So he says, by the earth and all its expanse, and by the soul, the soul and he who perfected it in proportion, then he showed it what is wrong for it and what is right for it. Indeed, he succeeds who purifies it, and he fails who corrupts it. So it's a time when you can purify the heart and you can purify the soul. This is one of the benefits. But what does this actually mean? So how do we actually purify ourselves? We know that to purify ourselves, it is done through acts of ibadat, it is done through worship. What actions are acts of worship? There's many, yeah? But let's put it into two categories, since I would say that some are people are aware of and they neglect, some people are not aware of and they still neglect, yeah? And even if they're aware of, they neglect, yeah? So, what are these actions? The first category I'll put is Salah, you know, to pray the Salah. A lot of people will notice will start practicing, they'll start praying intensely, you know what I mean? They'll, I don't know if they've got a girlfriend or if they take any drugs, all of that stuff, during Ramadan, let's leave it out. Tell the girlfriend, look, leave me alone for a month, i see you on Eid day, when I come down there with my pink limo, yeah? That's, that's, then I'll, I'll get to it, but for now, I'm in my religious mode, I'm in my Atar and Thob mode, you know, don't come near me. How do they do this? It's through the Salah, it's through Dhikr, yeah, that's another Ibadah. It's through fasting, it's through many other actions. So uh, Ibadah goes into various categories, but it's basically fasting, Dhikr, uh, Hajj, and, and so on. Yeah, you know, Tahajjud, uh, Ittikaf during the month of Ramadan, you know, these are, the, these are the actions that you'll be undertaking. The other category is, which is also an action of ibadah, which is also an action of wor- uh, act of worship, is dawah. Taking to people, talking to people about Islam, firstly. Secondly, enjoining the good and forbidding the evil, which is that, for example, say you're fasting and your mate, you know, he's still smoking a cigarette. He's going, oh man, you know, my addiction is intense, you know what I mean? I can't fast today, man, I need to, you know, you're telling him as well. You're not just saying, I'm fasting, I'm alright. But you're the guy next to you, you're saying, look, to him, look, you should... You should be fasting as well, bro. What the hell? You know, why can't you hold for six hours? What's wrong with you? You know, so enjoying good, forbidding the evil, even on a personal level. To working for Islam as a comprehensive way of life. To calling for the return of the Islamic State. Writing articles about Islam. Uh, writing articles on websites or writing websites. <coughs> to Islamic talks. All of these are actions of ibadat. Right? This is, not some, this is something that a lot of people, they don't, they don't know. The ulama, they've described it according to the scholars. It's those acts which are done in accordance with the will of Allah. This is agreed amongst the ulama. That it's those acts which are done in accordance with the will of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. It's very clear that all of the actions that you do, not limited to the masjid that you do in or outside the mosque, you are living in accordance to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala's will. But why do Muslims draw a, uh, draw a distinction between the rituals and the actions they do in their life? Why do they draw a distinction? Ask yourselves that. Why is it that your friends, the people you know at college or school or uni, yeah, the fact that they draw a distinction between rituals and the actions they do in their life? 
You know, it's not uh, nowadays an uncommon uh, phenomenon now to see someone, uh, you know, Allah forgive them, you know, you'll have people who do, you know, hafid, but yet they're up to some sort of, you know, funny business. Do you know what I mean? They're doing something dodgy, yeah? Or someone who is, uh, you know, he's got a girlfriend, but he'll attend the masjid regularly and he'll, you know, he'll be really pious and, you know, he'll do these things as well. You'll see these kind of weird phenomena where someone's doing something very good and then something else that's really bad, that almost ruins all the good action that he's done. The reason for this, brothers, and this is what says it says in the leaflet. You know, the leaflet that we gave to you guys at Jummah. Yeah? It says, the reason for this is because of the mentality we have about Islam and life. This is the, what, the reason why, brothers. It's the mentality. I mean, if you were to take anything, I would say, yeah, other than taking, obviously, the full, the full advantage of the ibadat during the month of Ramadan, one of them would be the mentality, to gain the correct mentality. Because gaining the correct mentality will allow you to not distinguish between the rituals that happen in a mosque and the way you carry your life outside the masjid. It, this, this won't happen. You know, it's the mentality. The mentality is in fact a change that is lasting. Do you get what I mean? That's, that's the kind of thing that we want, isn't it? We want to make certain changes and then we want to make sure that we carry this on after Ramadan. You know, some of us actually, you know, I'm guilty of this. You know, you make so many high aims during Ramadan. You know, it's kind of like actually Hajj. You know, people go Hajj and they come back and they think, my God, I'm going to be so pious, I'm going to give half my money away, you know. And you, you, know, you have this thing of, I'm going to do so much, and then you come back. And in a way, you kind of disappoint yourself, because you make such high aims, and then you don't live up to them. Right? So, the best, one of the best things you can take away with you from Ramadan is at least the correct mentality. Because at least this will uh, determine your behavior and your actions, even after Ramadan, inshallah. Otherwise, I mean, if this wasn't true, otherwise, why do we get the following? Why do we get uh, people dressing up in thobs during Ramadan and putting away the gold chains, baggy pants? You're seeing it, all the kind of uh, things that people wear. And then during Ramadan, you know, you blow off the dust of the thob and, you're, you know, you're going to up and thob mode. Why, why does this happen? Why is it that people are only observant about the way they speak during Ramadan? You know, people are effing and blinding and swearing at each other. Do you know what I mean? Like uh, the brother said last week, I think it's partly because people don't actually have a word to replace another word, so they can just form a sentence. And usually because of that, they're effing and blinding. I mean, literally, pass, pass me the effing glass of water. Do you know what I mean? On a simple thing, you know, do you have to say that? The reason why is because, you know, they're swearing like crazy. But then during Ramadan, they're really observing. You'll see that they observe, look, I, I, can't, I can't say this word. You know, I feel bad. I feel guilty. You know, I'm not going to say these things. So this is another weird quirk that you get during Ramadan. Another quirk is that only, you know, only during the month of Ramadan are they conscious about what they see on the TV or what they listen to on their phones and their MP3s. I'll be honest with you guys. I've heard some people, I mean, some of the most religious people, yeah, and then the phone, the ringtone that comes off it, some 50 cent or Acorn track or something, smacking this and smacking that, and you think to yourself, you know what I mean, what the hell happened? What, the hell, what happened? You know, and to be honest, it doesn't even... It doesn't even bother them. They don't even realize what they've got playing on their phones or what they're watching on the TV. But come the month of Ramadan, all of a sudden you're feeling guilt. You know, you know to, if there's something bad that comes on the television, to flick the channels. If there's something bad when you're watching a film, to flick the channels. You know that. But, you know, during the month of Ramadan is the only time you recognize that. Why? Because you are aware that Allah is watching you. You're, it's heightened. And it's not just heightened. One of the other benefits you can see is what? Is the fact that around you, everybody is doing the same thing. And this is one thing that we don't take away with us. You know, this dawah that we keep talking about. Think about it. It happens, you know, it can happen. It can happen. It can't be achieved to the level of what it is like during Ramadan. But the fact is that you can't really mess about too much. Everyone's feeling 
religious, let's say, yeah, or they're, they're doing acts of piety, they're doing ibadat, everyone's doing it. And that's why you'll see that from the worst of the worst, yeah, the, the guy who's, you know, who thought that, you know, I can never redeem myself, the amount of bad things I've done, you'll see that even here he's saying, you know what, during Ramadan I think I've got a chance. There's that, there's that mentality. So you can see that an environment can affect the way you behave, which is what we've been saying in the last 12 months of talks that we've been giving. You know, during Ramadan this can be done, inshallah, even after Ramadan this can be, this can be achieved. Um, this is why Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam said, Whoever did not give up lying and practicing falsehood, Allah is no need, in no need of him giving up food and water. I.e., if you're not going to change your behavior, if you're not going to change your actions, if you're not going to change your mentality, Allah is no need for you to deny yourself food and water. What would be the purpose? What would be the purpose of this? The whole point is that you deny yourself because you're conscious of Allah. If you're conscious of Allah and then you're still effing and blinding, you're, you know, you're still doing all the same things that you did before Ramadan, then where's the change? In another hadith, Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa says, Many are the fasters whose fasting does not bring them anything except hunger and thirst. And many are those who keep standing in the night, but their standing does not bring, their, their standing does not bring anything except being awake in the night. This is talking about the taraweeh prayers, man. The, the taraweeh prayers, you know, the effort that we put. You know how much your legs hurt doing 20 rakats. We're not used to it, you know. You, know, you get proper muscular legs by the end of the 30th day. You know, You're, it's difficult, yeah. And you stand all, not all that time, you know, and in some masjids it goes on. I mean, some obviously I am seeing it. In some other masjids it's going on for how many hours? How, how long does the, the, the main masjid go? Two and a half hours standing, man. And there's some people who will gain nothing the night by standing that does not bring anything except being awake in the night. That's all you got. You see, brothers, it's not enough just to go through the motions. This is the point I'm trying to make to you. And not to go into that Ramadan mode where you're just going through the motions again and again and again every year. And no lasting change happening within you. So the actions you can undertake. It's expected that this change continues far beyond Ramadan. The answer is, brothers, Muslims nowadays knowingly or unknowingly carry a secular understanding of worship. That's, that's one aspect of the mentality I'm going to do with today. Which is that we carry knowingly or unknowingly a secular understanding of worship, i.e. we look at worship confined to the masjid and during Ramadan somehow this masjid expands, you know, it's like the masjid state, yeah, and it expands all over the community, everyone's like religious and everything, once Ramadan goes, it becomes, goes straight back to the confines of the masjid. I mean this secular thinking brothers, this is the country we live in, they live by secularism, they believe in secularism, and sometimes we knowingly or unknowingly believe this. We knowingly or unknowingly, because we're taught Islam as a religion at school, because it's five pillars, we think that, okay, Islam is just these rituals. It's a belief which from which comes what? Those five pillars, and that's it. Islam is five pillars. This is the kind of mentality that we gain because we live in a secular country. We don't live Islam, we just do the rituals, and then the rest of our life is lived according to whatever the government or whatever the rest of the people are living by, we live by that. You know, this is, this is a secular understanding, this is a secular mentality. Think about it and you'll realize that this is true. The mentality is that God is within the confines of the masjid. They limit things, the, people, the youth, Muslim youth, they limit it to prayer, which then after Ramadan they neglect anyway, because when you turn Islam into a bunch of rituals, the Muslim youth see it as a religion and not a way of life. So what, what, what do you expect? What do you expect when the Muslim youth are taught that Islam is just a bunch of rituals? What more do you expect that after Ramadan that they just think, well, why should I even do that? It obviously changes within time and place. It obviously changes based on how convenient and inconvenient it is. Everyone's doing it, so I'll do it. When no one else is doing it, then forget it. I'll just go back to normal. You know, this is the mentality that we're, we're bringing up. 
Ramadan is a time of worship, but also a time for contemplation, at takaffur or thinking. Abu Hurairah reported that Muhammad said that contemplation for one hour is better than worship for 60 years. Now, I'm not talking about contemplating how to get out that level on Zelda or, you know, or, you know, some computer game or how to pass level four on Resident Evil. I'm not talking about this kind of contemplation. Contemplation about your life, contemplation about where it's taking you. This is, this is you know, where, where you're heading. You see, a lot of the Muslim youth, I mean, they could, they would do, you wouldn't do yourself any better favor. And I say this for you brothers and as well as me. That sometimes we could do ourselves a better favor than just to contemplate about our life just for one hour. Just to sit there and think about the things that we've done. Think of the things that we could do. The changes that we can make. The influences that we have. Why am I, like the, way, why am I the way I am? Is it because of some of the friends I'm around? Is it because they influence me? You know, is it because of, you know, I haven't studied Islam? I mean, this is another weakness, isn't it? If you don't know Islam, how are you going to follow it? If you don't study Islam, if you don't read it, then obviously you're not going to find the comfort and the uh, tranquility that Islam is going to provide you because you don't know anything about Islam. You know, so this, this, these are the kind of problems it causes. I believe that one of the biggest things you could do being a Muslim youth would be think about your life and not only that, but also think about the brothers around you because it's your, as I said, just as Ramadan is testament to that the environment can affect you as well as you can affect yourself. What would be the point praying a night and day during Ramadan and then going back to your old self after Ramadan by driving around the street? And this is what happens. People are practicing you know, and doing all the things they need to do during Ramadan. A lot, a lot of them are. Not all of them, but a lot of them are. And then as soon as Eid comes, pink limo, driving around, beeping at girls, playing loud music, uh, you know, playing loud music with the vibrations, you know, so loud that there's a guy in China who's just falling off his boat. You know what I mean? That's how loud the vibrations are. So much so, the guy inside the car, he can't hear. All, can, all he, he can hear is the hum of a noise, and, he, and everyone else has to listen to his music. This is the kind of thing people do on Eid day. What should we, what should we be considering? What we should follow, uh, consider is to be involved in practicing the most immediate actions to change ourselves. This is the first step during Ramadan. We should involve ourselves in practicing the most immediate thing that we can do to change ourselves. This is the Salah, brothers. You know, to practice the, you know, the Salah, to pray five times a day. You know, you, a lot of the time, why do oh, I do about Salah during Ramadan? I mean, I, mean, I say this because you'll know it's the weirdest thing. You'll re- realize that during Tarawih prayer, sometimes I'll go late to Tarawih, yeah? And you'll see that I'm doing my, my Asia, Fard, and then I'm doing my Tarawih. There's a guy going in there straight into the Tarawih, no Fard, no Asia, no nothing. Do you know what I mean? They don't know where Witir is coming and Asia is going. They don't know what's going on. They're just going in there, doing a bit of Tarawih. That's a Sunnah prayer, brothers. Do you know what I mean? You know that the Fard prayer is the one that you're going to be what? You're going to get thousands of times reward for doing it in the month of Ramadan. What do you think you're going to get for not doing it during the month of Ramadan? You know how much the sin can multiply. So this is the reason why I say practice the Salah, you know, actually you should advise the brothers to do the whole of the Salah, do the full Taraweeh, but also make sure you do the Esha prayer for God's sake. Secondly, to enjoy the good and forbid the evil amongst your friends on, in, on, a, on a level of, as an individual, to do it in the capacity as a community, within your community. You know, one thing is that, you know, so, you know, during Ramadan in your community, you'll see that a lot of people, they won't allow people walking around, drinking and stuff publicly. You know, they won't let them do that. They won't say, man, during Ramadan, Ferot, what are you doing during, do you know what I mean? During Ramadan time, during, just before Iftar, you sit, let's, we're going to wait. It will anger anybody. 
You know, rather what you should be doing is throughout the whole of the year, you should be enjoying good and forbidding the evil on an individual level, on a community level, as well as a level of an ummah. Because Clichy estate, Jubilee estate is not the ummah. Yeah, the ummah is the whole, you know, it's not Brady Street, it's not Brick Lane, it's the ummah around the world. You have a responsibility to towards them as well. So enjoying the good, forbidding the evil doesn't stop there. Allah SWT said, just to back this up, the believers, men and women, are awliya, helpers of one another. They enjoy the good, the ma'roof, and forbid the evil, the munkah. Some of us don't need any more evidences for this. Two really, some of us, we didn't, need, we didn't need any more evidences for this. We just knew that this is enough to act on. Yeah? We are told that it was a deen, a complete way of life, and we were satisfied. You know, some of us, we, just, we were told this and it was sufficient. Yeah? Um, though, I mean, though this was important for some of us, you know, when we heard that, okay, it's, you know, uh, Islam is a deen, a way of life, some of us, when we weren't satisfied, that's the truth of it. When some of us were told, brother, and I'm sure even some of us, when we became practicing, when we were told in the past, Islam is just prayer and fasting, we weren't satisfied. Some of us wanted a little bit more. Some of us, when we were told that Islam is a deen, we thought, if it's a deen, then surely it's a complete way of life. That's what deen means, you know, it's not a ritual, it means a way of life. We knew that, you know, some of us, we wanted more from Islam, we wanted more. This was what wasn't enough for us that Islam just told us how to pray and fast and go hajj. We knew Islam to be a deen. It wasn't enough that the Muslims, the Muslim countries are being exploited for all their wealth. It wasn't enough to see, for us to see the exploitation to, that causes the severe poverty and suffering, suffering in the Muslim countries. So much so that 30,000 children die each day due to poverty. It wasn't enough for us to see our Muslim brothers and sisters being raped and killed and humiliated in Iraq and Afghanistan. It wasn't enough to see our Prophet ﷺ disgraced and dishonored by the fact, you know, by the Danish cartoons which were republished this week. It wasn't enough to hear about the Quran being trampled on and kicked on in, the, in Guantanamo Bay. It wasn't enough for us to see on CNN, you know, uh, some American guy, he got the Quran, he took it to a public toilet, astaghfirullah, he took it to uh, to uh, the uh, public toilet and he tore it, threw it in the loo and then he urinated it and defecated on it. It wasn't enough. We didn't think Islam is prayer and it wasn't enough. We weren't satisfied. It wasn't enough for us to see that on CNN you're watching experts defending that guy's right to freedom of expression. That's, you know, that's, that's what they were arguing. There was no, is this wrong? They were talking about, is it right within freedom of expression? Can you do it? Can you do it? Not, you know, should we stop him from doing it? Can you take him to Court, but rather, where does freedom of expression start and when are you offending someone? But not, it's not against the law. Similarly, in fact, I can add, I just read it last night, there was another one, yeah, where a guy, SubhanAllah, look at some of the hatred some of these guys have against Islam. And I believe me, it's not majority of the non-Muslims. A lot of them are misled and told things about Islam that aren't true. This man, you know, Allah help him, he got the Quran and he put it up against the wall and then he shot at it with a shotgun. Yeah, you know, and he videoed it. And then, once he did that, he took it to the local masjid and he just threw it in there and said, look, what are you going to do about it? This is, this, this is the kind of thing, you know, brothers, it's not, we didn't think it was enough. We didn't think that just praying salah and fasting during the month of Ramadan was enough. I mean, I could go on, yeah, but some of us knew there was more to this deen than praying and fasting. But if it wasn't obvious to you, if you need more evidence to explain that your duties as a Muslim extend beyond salah and fasting, though important and though you can, shouldn't neglect them, the Prophet Muhammad said, whoever of you sees a munkan, let him change it by his hand, and if you could not, let him change it by his tongue, and if you could not do that, let him hate it in his heart, and this is the weakest degree of iman, this is the kind of iman we're looking for, just to go around hating things in our heart. 
we have the capacity, we have the ability to change things, we have the ability to speak against these things. How many of us speak against these things? To learn how to do this for a start, you know, to be able to do this though. Because a lot of, you know, if you want to learn Salah, you think, well, if I want to learn how to pray, I can get beliefs and teachings, I can go to the mosque and I can learn. How do you learn how to speak up against the oppression? How do you, uh, against the Muslims, how do you learn how to speak up and carry the call and defend Islam? To learn how to do this for a start, we should not be afraid or embarrassed to sit with brothers to deal with these problems or, and also your personal problems as well. Instead of ignoring the defects in our thinking and character during the month of Ramadan and then going back to it after Ramadan is over. I.e. ignoring your defects, ignoring the faults that you have in your character, ignoring them. And then after Ramadan you'll see that you slip back into them with ease. I mean something you've been doing for a long time, they say isn't it, it's hard, old habits die hard. You know, if you've got a habit, if you've got something, that, you know, a defect that you have in your character, you will slip back into it once Ramadan is over, because no one is watching. The Prophet Muhammad said, A Muslim who meets with others and shares their burdens is better than those who live of seclusion and contemplation. I, if you have problems, just to hide in your homes isn't enough. Just to hide and, you know, worry about your studies, or to worry about your future, or to worry about, you know, you, you know, your marriage or whatever, you know, varying ages here. So, you know, you worry about different things, yeah? It's not enough to do that. You, you, know, a, you know, they say, say a problem shared is a problem aired or something like that, yeah? Well, you know, this is how the, this clarifies the issue. A Muslim who meets with others and shares their burdens is better than those who live a life of seclusion and a contemplation. So many people do this. We all do this in a small or big way. So we advise you brothers, yeah, who don't already to sit and discuss with us so that all of us will benefit. And these are the first two actions that you can take during the month of Ramadan. Thirdly, we need to call for Islam as a complete way of life. I.e., when we decide that we want to practice Islam, we want to practice Islam as a whole. We want to pra practice Islam holistically. We want, don't want to pick and choose the things that we think are easy to do or beneficial for us or convenient or fit within our uh, study timetable or our schedule or our work schedule or our family schedule. These things we have to impress, impose upon our lives because to be honest brothers, what is our life other than being a slave of Allah? Were we not put on this earth to worship Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala? It's also fard, yeah? Just as it's fard to pray salah, just as it's fard to uh, uh, fast in the month of Ramadan, it's also, also fard for us to live under Islam and to live under Islamic rule. And if we can't live under Islamic rule, if you're, you know, that low in your hope, that there's never going to be a day, even though Allah has promised the victory, that you know, we're not going to live under Islam, then it's still an obligation for you to work for it. Just because you don't live under Islamic law does not mean that you don't have to work for Islam so that you may one day live under it, if not your children. <coughs> Allah SWT says, he has to give you some evidence just to you know, think about these ones. The hukum, rule or judgment is for none but Allah. The rule, not the masjid, not the fasting, not the, you know, what you buy for suhoor, but not these things that you do within your individual lives, but the rule is for none but Allah. He has commanded that you worship none but Him, and that is straight, that is the straight religion, but most men know not. This one also says, but know by your Lord, they will not have iman until they make you, O Prophet, rule between them in that which they dispute, and they find in their souls, and no resistance against their decisions, no resistance against living under Islam, but accept them with the fullest of convictions. 
Imam Muslim. I'll give you more evidences. I'll give you somewhat the, uh, the, another uh, hadith. Imam Muslim narrating from Abdullah bin Umar, who said that the Prophet وسلم, said, the one who dies without having bound himself by an oath of allegiance to a Khalifa will die the death of one belong to, belonging to the days of ignorance. Imam Abu Hanifa. Let's look at what the ulama have said. I, I can't give you long this. I had about 20 pages of this. So I picked out two. Yeah? We're all mostly Hanafis in this area anyway. Imam Abu Hanifa, rahimullah, described the duty as the mother of all thoughts. You know, you know how important your mother plays in your, in your family structure? Imam Abu Hanifa described it as the mother of all thoughts. Ibn Taymiyyah, rahimullah, said, it is obligatory to know what the office in charge of commanding of the people, the Khilafah post, is one of the greatest obligations of the deen. In fact, there is no establishment of the deen except by it. Islam is not complete unless it's established. This is the opinion of the Salaf, according to Ibn Taymiyyah, rahimullah. Let's now look at the month of Ramadan, just as a simple example of why we need to live under Islam and call for Islam. Allah SWT says, begin fasting when you see the new crescent moon. End fasting when you see it again. This is, I mean, this is a simple thing, you know, start when you see the crescent moon, end when you see it again. And yet Muslims in different countries are fasting on different days. This is just one example how, I'm, I'm going to exemplify since it's Ramadan, that even in the month of Ramadan, yeah, even fasting, you know where uh, Ibn Taymiyyah, when he put it, that it's not even complete unless it's established. Yeah, even the month of Ramadan you see the division, divisions caused just by the fact that we don't have a ruler, we're not ruled by Islam. And we don't have a khalif to settle our disputes. Allah SWT says, uh, like I said, begin fasting and end when you see it again. And yet Muslims in different countries do it on different days. Our relatives abroad are doing Eid on the day we are fasting and we are doing the same. I, you have a cousin in Bangladesh and you're going, Salaam alaikum, what are you doing? And he's going, oh, I'm, you know, I'm doing Eid tomorrow and you're doing Eid today. You, know, you can't even give Eid Mubarak because he's doing Eid on another day. You know, you're fasting, you're hungry when he's out there eating and you know, he's, you know what I mean, he, he's doing Eid and you're fasting. This happens every year, you see the arguments about, geez, we can't even agree on when someone saw the moon. Everyone thinks they're right, but who decides what day we start our fasting if the Muslim Ummah are not reunited? It's amazing so many nations starting their fast on different days, yet there's only one moon. Yeah? Now it's true that the ulama have stated that the Muslim countries in the past yeah, I will give it that, I will give it that, but the ulama have said that the Muslim countries in the past in, have fasted on different days. This is sometimes used as a justification, so I'm not going to just leave one side of the argument now, I'm going to include that in too. You know, the, in the past they did fast on different days, they did do, different nations did do Eid on different days. But it wasn't because of nationalism, that's the first thing. Nowadays you get Pakistanis, Bengalis and Somalis in the same community, man. It's just the same area, yeah, in the same community all waiting for their source, you know, their you know, secret source, their reliable source to tell them when to start. Bengalis don't trust Pakistanis, Pakistanis don't trust Bengalis, Arabs don't trust Turks, and vice versa. These divisions cause families split by continents to be fasting and doing Eid on different days. So you'll see that within communities, within the same community, you've got a guy who's following his desh, you've got another guy who's following his desh, you've got another guy following another country. And you've got division even amongst the same community. Why? Because of nationalism. Before it was because, you know, to get from one country to another, I mean, think about it, you know, you didn't have a mobile phone, you didn't have email, you didn't have a satellite, you didn't have the global village. You know, you wanted to tell someone that it was Eid, you know, you have to send someone on a camel, you know, and send them for, four, you know, two days, three days, two weeks to get to a certain country. So there was reasons why people cited it. Obviously, if they cite it at a later date, they start that day. 
But what is wrong in, the, in this uh, world that where everyone's connected, where we can't actually have the day agreed on, the one day that we agreed on where we all fast and we all end our fast and then we start uh, Eid? Why is it? It's not because we don't have the ability. It's not because we don't have the technology. It's rather if an Arab sees it, a Turk says, well, until my Turkish, you know, my bread, Turkish brethren sees it, then I, I'm not going to start my fast. Do you know what I mean? I've heard announcements even in this country, and I'll be honest with you, you know, it's our parents as well. They get told by someone else, by their next door neighbor, a Somalian family, they'll go, you know, uh, Ramadan Mubarak, you know, and they'll say, either, and, and, and your dad will turn around and go, yeah, he doesn't cheat, but let me wait until Islam the mosque tells me. You know, it's, yeah, Ramadan, yeah. But he won't start Ramadan until he goes home and he's finding out Islam the mosque has told me. And the Somali family, they let them do it, but I'm going to find out until ELM tells me I'm going nowhere. So this is the kind of division that's caused when we don't enjoy the good and forbid the evil on a level of as an ummah as well as a community. Yeah? In conclusion, what should we think about? Well, Think seriously about changing ourselves for the, for the better this month in a way that is lasting. And the way that is lasting is to change your mentality of how you view Islam. Don't view Islam and pigeonhole Islam into just prayer and fasting. Like I say, though important, you know, don't get the wrong idea what the talk that I'm giving today. That, oh, ignore these things, neglect these things. These things are important. But when you decide to practice Islam, adopt, take everything, take everything from Islam, take all the good. You know, take everything. Don't just practice one aspect or think this is the easy one. This fits into my schedule. You have to take on Islam, comprehensive Islam in your life. You can't just take the bits you pick and choose, the bits that you like. Keep an open mind and learn through discussion as well as studying Islam. Otherwise, otherwise we don't want to be likened to the Jews in the past. What Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, when I say likened to the Jews, you know, when we say discussion, you know, we can discuss personally, we can homo, go home and read books and formulate ideas that probably are incorrect, but because we never had any kind of discussion or discourse with anybody, we have no idea if this is right or wrong. You know, we're just reading scholarly books on our own, but we don't actually have a discussion to find out have we understood this idea correctly. You know, otherwise, don't, you know, do not be likened to the Jews. Allah SWT says, the likeness of those who were loaded with the Torah, i.e. The, the Jews of that time, they were given the Torah, they were given the, their book, but they did not carry it, i.e. they do not live by it. It is like that of a donkey carrying books. Evil is the example of people who have belied the verses of Allah. Allah does not carry the evil view. I.e. that when you get these books, you know, when you're being given the Quran, don't just carry it on your back like a donkey. You know, you know many ayahs, you know many hadith, but you don't do nothing. All you do is sit at home. All you do is pray. All you do is fast. If he, your next door neighbor is fasting, you don't know. If he's praying, you don't know. You know, has he got iftar? You know, has he, you know what kind of iftar they have? Have you invited him around? You don't know. Because all you're concerned about is your personal, individual ibadat. And we know ibadat is not restricted to the individual, as I've proven by giving you many, many evidences. I'll end with some advice. Take advantage of this blessed month of Ramadan. The Prophet said, when Ramadan starts, the doors of heaven are opened and the doors of hell are closed and the devils are chained up. And in another version, uh, it says, the doors of mercy are opened. So this is the time to seek forgiveness, brothers. And it's also to know that when you make a decision, when you make a decision that you want to change, you don't have shaitan giving that doubt. And I know we all get it. You know this doubt that you put in your mind, ah, you can't do it. Uh, you know, you think you can do it, but actually, you know what? You're going to just, you're going to flop. You're going to try it one minute, and then uh, next week you're going to go back to your old ways. You know, you don't have shaitan whispering to you now, telling you that, you know, you can't do it. 
to put doubt in your mind and to put doubt in your heart that you can achieve this. Um, let's all try to improve ourselves, inshallah, yeah? By carrying the da'wah as well as, i.e. give da'wah to yourself, obviously, first, you know, in terms of learn the deen, practice the salah, but also carry the deen to others, inshallah. Um, I'll end it there, actually. I'll leave it for any questions you have. Thank you for listening to this podcast. Podcasts on current events, Islamic guidance, Quran, Tafsir, and Sirah are available at islampodcasts.com as well as on iTunes. Rate, review, and comment and let us know how we can grow in our knowledge to better serve our community. Please subscribe, share, and tell a friend about islampodcasts.com.